This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good afternoon, dear listeners. We start a little bit after five past five. This is your hostess, Maud, and I'm delighted to talk to you today on Sunday the 5th of June. You can join me using the chat function. We can discuss today's topic, which is teaching modern foreign languages. Welcome! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, fellow educators and dear listeners. So today is my 10th radio show as a hostess, and I'm delighted to share this exciting experience in your company. But first, I have to introduce myself. I am a French citizen of French and West African ancestry. I have lived in the UK since 2008, and I'm a professional educator. I work in a secondary state school in North London, where I teach languages as well as humanities. I teach case three, Spanish, history, geography, and French, and case four, French. I have also experience as a teacher in the charity sector. You can follow me on Twitter at profprofmfl. All views are my own. Today, I wanted to focus on one topic that is extremely relevant to me as an educator and personally in my daily working life. So today's podcast and discussion will both be on the topic of modern foreign languages, MFL. And it's our special because it's our 10th podcast. So today's topic is mostly relevant to MFL teachers working in the UK, teachers of languages working all over the world, Parents interested to know what's going on in their children's classes and also multilingual families. I remind you that you can also tweet um, on at ProfProfMFL or use the live chat. So a definition of MFL. So it stands for Modern Foreign Languages. And what does it mean in the UK setting? Well, usually the most common languages you can learn in uh, secondary state schools in the UK are French, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, Mandarin, Russian, German, and sometimes you can also learn Turkish and Urdu and Polish. But the most famous or most broadcast languages are French and Spanish still. Now, in the UK, Everything is centralized, so there's only two exam boards, AQA and Edexcel. These are the exam boards that every teacher is using when they're preparing their students for languages exams. AQA is a non-for-profit organization, whereas Edexcel is a private business. I have been looking at OFQUAL, which stands for the Office of Qualifications and Examinations Regulation and they have a website with a lot of data. Now I've been looking at the latest trends for languages and foreign languages in the UK. 
So in 2022, for this year's exams, which have started uh, for GCSE and A-levels, for students aged 15 and students aged 17. So GCSE entries in summer 2022 have increased slightly by 0.9%. So it means that there are now currently 5,301,075 students who are sitting for their GCSEs in languages. So it might be French or Spanish, but it could also be Turkish or Urdu or Polish. And we, it's a slight increase from last year. So most of our students don't have a choice and they have to sit a language um, for their GCSEs. And it shows that this is not something that is so popular because if you look at the specializing that it requires for A-levels, if we look at A-level numbers, so for summer 2022, there is only 64,080 students who are doing either French or Spanish or Mandarin or Urdu or Polish for A-levels. So from more than 5.3 million students, only 64,000 have, dis 64, 64, have decided that they want to pursue their learning of a foreign language. So it's a massive drop. Um, and it's a bit, it saddens me, I have to say. It just shows that the way we teach languages in the UK isn't exciting, isn't enthralling, and our students drop it as soon as possible, as soon as legally possible. So learning a foreign language is compulsory until GCSEs in the UK, and it's quite a recent change, but the students aren't really happy about it, which shows by the number, the number of students who take a languages when they have the choice. Now, the common criticism I get whenever I teach a class is usually, learning a language is too hard, it is time consuming, it is pointless, I've been told. And um, the reasons why, it's because a lot of students think that you don't need to learn a language to be successful in your career path. You don't need to learn a language because now there's translating apps and students imagine that in a few years you'll just speak in English through your phone and the phone will do an instant translation. And this has started already, by the way, technology has advanced so far. Another, um, I would say, bias I hear often is that everybody speaks English, so why should I bother learning another language? Now, this isn't true for sure. If you've ever been stuck on a German motorway or in a little department role, a departmental road in France, you will know that not everybody speaks English. Um, and also, speaking, speaking a language is not seen as a, for the students as something essential. It is not important as the core subject. And the reason why, I guess, is the way we qualify them. If you say that core subjects are English, maths and science, there's no space for languages. And if they're not at the core, then they are at the extremities so they can be easily cut or removed from the curriculum. So this paints a picture that is quite depressing if you're a fan of culture and languages as I am. It means and it shows that there's a state-wide language deficit in the UK. And I'm not the only one saying that. There has been an all-party parliamentary group, APPG, 
that has studied the issue of modern languages in the UK. Professor Mike Kelly, who is a language advocate, expert and advisor to this uh, all-party par parliamentary group, has said that the lack of language skills by the British population as a whole cost 3.5% of GDP a year to the United Kingdom. I quote Mike Kelly, our language blind spot costs us a lot and lot of lost businesses, and it will need a multi-pronged approach to turn this around. The APPG report sets strategic objectives to achieve this in the areas of education, business and public policy. So I take Mike Kelly's analysis very seriously, and every day in my daily practice as a teacher, I try to improve the outlook for foreign languages. Spanish and French are still dominating in the language choices, but French has lost a lot of its appeal. Now there's also Mandarin that becomes very fashionable and Arabic, which are two non-European languages. There's a report called Languages for the Future that has been sponsored and financed by the British Council. And the report says that languages need to be strengthened in colleges and university by protecting language departments as more than 50 universities in the UK have cut courses or scrapped departments entirely since 2000. So since 2000, there is a policy move or trend that cuts budgets for non-core subjects such as the arts, media, journalism, languages, drama, music. So this is a shame because this is actually one of the biggest exports of British, the British industry. Movies, pure drama, culture, the arts. This is what brings blood to the country. And uh, languages are part of this. There was an online YouGov poll with 4,000 UK adults commissioned by the British Council again that said that three quarters of British people are unable to speak any of the most common languages taught in the UK well enough to hold a conversation. And I see that in my daily life all the time. If I could get a pound every time someone tells me, oh, I studied French at GCSEs, but I can't remember anything, I would be rich. So there is a problem here, because when you think of it, most British people have studied either French or Spanish for five years, from year seven, to year 10 or 11. And this is 15,000 15, hours of languages. You just need 10,000 hours spent on one skill to develop it and to be proficient at it. So what has happened? How come all these generations of British people come out of their state education without a minimal grasp of the French or Spanish they learned for so many hours? Now, we could write whole books to explain why. I think it's a combination of lack of interest, lack of motivation, lack of enthusiasm, and a lack of opportunities. Because statistics show that people who have access to holidays abroad, people who live in big cities, are more likely to want to learn another language. If you live in a deprived area, which is mostly rural or in smaller towns, you're less likely to want to learn 
another language. So this language deficit is a big issue for teachers, but also for company owners or multinational corporations because they need speciali specialist expertise amongst their staff. It's not easy to build a relationship with a non-English speaking partner in Europe, for instance. So the British Chambers of Commerce showed that 96% of exporters had no foreign language ability for the markets they served. I'll give you an example. It means that if you are exporting goods to Portugal or to Italy, none of your staff might be able to speak Portuguese or Italian. You'll tell me, of course, the members of staff from the other branch of the company who is settled in Portugal or Italy are all speaking English. And that's fine. But if you want to do good business, you need to make sure that whatever you say is understood to the best extent. And it goes both ways. So this language deficit affects us all. It's about money. Now we should be doing more to support this language skill that we need to give to our students. Some of the fastest growing economies in the world are not English speaking. It might be in Asia, Africa, Central or South America. So we need to be able to speak the language of these countries we want to trade with. If we want to be business minded, we shouldn't be short sighted about communication and communication starts with language. So what's going on in schools about that language deficit? Well, less than 10% of UK students aged 15 are studying French DCSEs and have a good enough level to be able to converse with a French speaker. Less than 10% of all students are able to carry a conversation. So what happened to the 90%? How come having had 15,000 hours of teaching with a teacher in a secondary state school doesn't equip them with the basics? And the basics are according to the European Frame of Reference for Languages, CEFR, a B1 level, which is not that hard to get. And can I remind you, this is the lowest proportion of any other EU country. My experience as an um, MFL teacher is that the way we teach languages is boring. And if I say it's boring, whereas I'm passionate about learning, I love languages, and I love doing grammar exercises. Can you imagine how the students feel? Now you will tell me, why don't you make the lessons less boring? And I'll tell you, this is exactly why I'm doing this podcast, because I want to share some tips that I experience and that work in my classroom. But the problem is the frame, because any secondary school MFL teacher will tell you that they want their lessons to be vibrant and have students who are enthusiastic, who participate and communicate. We want lots of laughter. We want lots of jokes in the target language, which means the language we're teaching other than English. So what happens in our classrooms? Well, the problem is the pressure of exams over the shoulders of the teachers and the shoulders of the students. I'll give you an example. Whenever we start teaching in year seven or year eight, we can try and make fun lessons and include more songs, more authentic materials, more video clips with French music or Spanish music, 
and we can do games, board games. We can teach the students to use their body and, and we can do lots of fun activities in class. But after that, I would say from summertime in year nine, we have the slowly increasing feeling that we are a frog in a pan of water and the water starts boiling slowly. And the exam is that pressure we're under. Now, all I'm saying was already a fact before the COVID epidemic. We had less and less students taking French or Spanish at A-levels, more and more departments of foreign languages closing down. German has practically disappeared from state schools. In, where, in the area where I live, there is no state school offering German lessons. And I live in North London, the capital, the biggest, I mean, the biggest city in the UK. No one could teach German in any of the secondary state schools I've been at, and I've visited a few. So coupled with the effect of COVID, it's a deadly cocktail. Language learning is very difficult because it's incremental. Think of it as a spiral. It develops and it starts with just a few sounds or words, and then you need to build upon it at each lesson. And if you miss a few lessons, then you forget, and then the spiral collapses on itself. So language learning is, it is necessary to have immersion, so access to native speakers, access to the country you're learning the language of. And you also have to be exposed regularly, every week at least, and a lot of lessons are only every bi-weekly. Bi -weekly. You need a strong retention practice, so you need to make sure all the words that are learned are not forget, forgotten and you need constant exposure. So I'll give you an example. When I was a student myself and I was learning English, I had to learn the irregular verb patterns for the past participle. You're going to tell me, oh, that's too much jargon. What does that mean? Well, it's simple. It is to be, was, were and been. So if in, for instance, you want to say I've been to Italy, been is the past participle of the verb to be. So I had lists at the back of my workbook, textbook, with all the irregular verbs, and I had to learn them. And every summer, I remember spending a week reading them through and trying to scan them like a song to learn them. So I would be like, to dig, dug, dug, to do, did, done, uh, and so on and so forth. And every September, we would get tested on our knowledge of the irregular verbs in English. And I would struggle every summer to learn them again, because throughout the year, I would forget them. And I would have to repeat the same action of memorizing and drilling and re retaining the information. And this work, which is pretty thankless, is something that young teenagers struggle with. They do not like to force themselves into memorizing. So this is what we have to fight against as teachers in our classrooms. Now, the problem with language learning is that it is true, it's hard, and it is true, it takes a lot of effort. But there's also a lot of bias that skews the number of people who are interested in learning a language. So learning a language can be biased. There's four different ways in itself. There is a Geographical bias, and I mentioned it earlier when I did say that if you live in a small community away from the biggest city centers, and if you're not 
in uh, populated wealthy areas, you're less likely to learn a foreign language. So that's the first geographical bias. So to sum up, you're more likely to learn and stick to learning a, se a second language if you live in the Southeast or near London. There's also a gender bias. And that's an interesting thing. There's a whole book that's been written on that gender bias in modern foreign languages teaching. And the fact is, it's usually more girls who take on French or Spanish or other languages for A-levels. For some reason, boys enjoy learning languages in year seven or eight, and then something happens when adolescence kicks in, adolescence kicks in and puberty starts claiming the motivation of some of our students, and a lot of boys drop from learning languages. And in some schools, it gets to the point where a lot of them drop the subject. I know I said it was compulsory to learn a second language for your GCSEs, but there are still ways that allow schools to, to let the students drop the subject. They take another option, for instance, or they do something different. But I have many students who've dropped their language lessons, even though it is a compuls compu compulsory and legal requirement. So that's the gender bias now. More girls are likely to take up a language and keep learning. The third bias is a social class bias. A lot of students have access to their own mother tongue, for instance, if they come from an immigration background. So they could speak Polish at home or Urdu or Persian or Farsi, any sorts of languages. We call them community languages. And yet, because the school doesn't have enough budget for, for the languages department, they, these subjects won't be offered as GCSEs. Now, if you're a lucky parent, you might find a school that offers extra tuition for the community languages. And I know my daughter attends a school where there's Turkish lessons for all the Turkish speakers because there's a big Turkish community in the area. So it means that we, we give the tools for our students to develop their interest in their own mother tongue, which is precious. And I think all schools should encourage that. But the problem is it depends on the um, efforts done by the senior leadership team. And not all schools have enough money or motivation to provide this. So this is a social class or ethnic class bias because you're more likely to be middle class if you keep your language and uh, you're more likely to travel to Spain or to France regularly and immerse yourself in learning the language and you're more likely to stick to your language skills because you can travel. So the poorer, the, the more you live in a deprived area, the more likely you are to drop your language learning. And the last bias that affects learning language is a skills bias. And I'll give you an example. Far too often, I have seen students who suffer from dyslexia or dyspraxia or have, who have difficulties um, with the, uh, special needs. And they are often advised to drop learning a language. I had a student who was um, on the autistic spectrum, so he was neurodiverse. And it was a big shock for him to come to secondary school to the point that I think it was a structure that was too big for him. So he became nonverbal after leaving primary school. And obviously, learning a language is difficult when you are nonverbal. It's not impossible, but 
it adds a layer of difficulty. So that student explained to me that he really didn't like French, as a matter of fact, my subject, and uh, he wanted to drop it. Now, because he was struggling so much, I, I was, I was, I allowed him to drop it because I did think I didn't want to add more to, it was such a trauma for him to attend secondary school that I didn't want him to be affected more than necessary. So he did drop learning French. But my experience is that a lot of the time, students with special needs actually do very well in the foreign languages. It, they might need more time for their exams. They might not um, fit in with the exam constraint, but they do enjoy learning a language because we use a lot of visuals, we use a lot of sounds, we use f fun activities, we do games. So it suits them. And I think it's a real shame when we can't keep our students who have special needs in our language classes. So that was the fourth bias, geographical, gender, social class and skills bias. And these are four levels of difficulty that we need to take into account when we do um, try to change the way people see learning a language. Now, I know that in some schools in my area, they are trialing gender differentiated classes. Um, it might not be very popular or it might turn to be controversial nowadays, but they realized that they wanted to support girls in science, for instance. So they separated boys and girls in their maths or science classes because they thought that girls were too shy to answer questions and that boys took over in science lessons. So they decided to offer girls only science lesson and boys only science lesson. So they're trialing it. I don't know how successful this is because COVID has affected all the data gathering we're trying to process. But this is something that has been trialed and that could be something we could trial in language learning as well. Now, as I said, this is an added difficulty to deal with the language crisis. Now, I would like to, you to, if you want to read more about this, there's a, a report published by Higher Education Policy Institute, HEPI, and it's report 123. And it's entitled A Languages Crisis. It was edited by Megan Bowler. I think it's very uh, useful if you're a specialist or if you're a parent or if you're an MFL teacher. So that report notes that GCSE entries in German have fallen by 67% since 2002. So long before Brexit, there was um, a lack of interest in learning German. And French entries have dropped by 62% as well. So same, same uh, pattern. And in a Guardian article dated from um, the 9th of January 2020, the report notes that the devolved school systems in Wales and Scotland have had a lot of success in encouraging the study of languages other than English, especially in primary schools. So it just says, it just shows that if there is a policy trying to improve the intake of language learners, it can be done and it has been done in the United Kingdom. It just needs to be put in place in England and not just in Scotland and Wales. And I have to say, to encourage uh, community languages and also national languages such as Welsh and Gaelic, um, Wales has been doing amazingly. 
So the more languages a school offers as well, this is a ratio that's quite surprising, the more likely the school is to be a private school or a grammar school. I'll give you an example. In a local, local private school in North London, um, you can study Russian, German, everybody has to study French, and then you can choose from Spanish, and also I think there was a fifth one that was Italian. So it was a prerequisite that everybody did French, and then they had to choose a second language or a third, and Latin was offered as an option. I'm not including Latin in my um, podcast of the day because it's not a foreign language anymore, it's an ancient language. So there is another typical thing about the United Kingdom's setup is that inequality of access and offer of choice is linked to the skill sets. So we have private schools that offer lots of languages and state schools that are slowly, slowly decreasing their no the number of hours of foreign languages learning. Another ratio that's interesting, schools which take in larger proportions of pupils who are eligible for free school meals tend to timetable fewer lessons of languages. So because of budget cuts, we tend to cut the hours spent in language learning. So this is reflecting a hierarchy in our society amongst individuals, but there is also that hierarchy of languages. As I said, minority languages or community languages such as Farsi, Urdu, Polish, Turkish and Portuguese don't receive as much support as some other languages. And it's a shame because if we want to encourage the intake of language learning in our schools, we need to bank on these minority schools. There is already people who speak it in the community. Our students, students are usually fluent in them. We just need to push the writing skills to be able to offer one more GCSEs for these students. So it is difficult to learn languages. I'm not going to shy away from the, the difficulty. And I often tell my students, yes, French is difficult, but this is why it's fun. I know it might be controversial, but I think it is very important to always encourage our students to embrace difficulty as a way of becoming resilient and to build character. So now before we go into the nitty gritty of learning a language and how I deal with this in my classroom, I'm going to let you enjoy the news. Thank you. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development 
every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk if you're listening to this then we know we share one thing in common a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves that's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care we need people like you to help us achieve even more with us you'll be given all the resources and support you need offered a clear path to career progression and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. than 85% of Scots back a ban on smoking outside schools in a bid to protect children's health, the survey has found. The Glasgow Times reports on the results of a survey by charity Asthma and Love UK. The Scotland survey asked 1,000 adults in Scotland with almost 9 in 10 wanting smoking prohibited outside of the school gates. The charity is pressing the Scottish Government to follow the example set by Wales in March 2021 forbid smoking around playgrounds, schools and other locations used for children. A Scottish Government spokesman said they would consider proposals and agreed with findings that second-hand smoke was more dangerous to children. A number of MSPs have come out in favour of a ban on smoking near places used by children. Noise pollution near schools could be harmful to people's concentration and working memory according to new research. A study completed in Barcelona over 15 months between 2012 and 2013 appears to conclude that exposure to road noise at school was associated with slower development of working memory and attentiveness in pupils. The Evening Standard reports on the findings and suggests that environmental noise policies be put in place to protect schools from noise pollution. Professor Trevor Cox of the Science and Media Centre said that the fact that road traffic noise harms health and well-being is not talked about often enough. In Northern Ireland, people from Brooklyn Primary School received some royal messages as part of the celebration for the Jubilee. Dame Judy Dent appears on a video posted on the school website, while Sir David Jason sent a letter which was read out on the same video. In Dubai, Gems Education has launched a new scholarship programme in celebration of Queen Elizabeth II's Platinum Jubilee. A total of 70 scholarships will be awarded to each covering the full cost of a year's tuition fee to students across 43 Gems. Schools. GEMS Education is the UAE's oldest and largest school operator. New post Brexit visa scheme launched this week to the best graduates from the top 50 non British universities who like to live in the UK 
has been criticised for not including those from African or Caribbean countries. The most recent list of eligible universities is from 2021. The ranking system used to define which is a top university includes the number of alumni who are Nobel laureates. Critics say this ignores the qualities and skills of graduates from nations within Africa. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about spreadsheet modelling. Spreadsheets are marmite. You either love them or you hate them. This week, I hope to help you see a reason to include them in your next lesson or even to spice up a form time. What is technology? It's anything that helps us in life. For example, scissors, cutlery, even a paper straw. Let's take a look at the good old paper straw. Build as an environmental hero. It's time for the spreadsheet to model some facts about paper straws. Before I begin, I totally get the paper straws are better for the environment than plastic. This episode's about looking deeper into topics at pace, using the all-powerful spreadsheet to provide high-speed and sometimes complex calculations. With a trusty search engine by my side, here I go into what is the true cost of a paper straw. Okay, the first answer to produce a paper straw costs a penny. Now how about how many paper straws are used in a year? The US use 5 million per day. Europe, a mere 7 million per day. How many trees is that? Right, a typical straw weighs 1.1 grams. So times 7 million is 7,700,000 grams divided by 1,000 is 7,700 kilograms divided by 1,000 again is 7.7 tons. Back to the search engine, it takes 24 trees to make one ton of paper, so 185 trees rounded to the nearest tree. It takes eight trees to provide enough oxygen for one person for a year. So each day we kill enough trees to keep 23 people alive for a year for the sake of a paper straw. Let's take a quick step back. 185 trees per day times 365 days is 67,452 trees per year. That can keep 8,431 people alive. In a densely packed forest, that's around one kilometre square of trees. It takes on average 15 years for a tree to grow to be used for paper. People of Europe are spending 27,830,000 per year on paper straws. That's £76,246 a day. If you listen to this on Friday, since Monday, 925 trees have been used for a one-use purpose. Now, with the power of the mighty spreadsheet and a few questions, I'll be leaving that straw behind and drinking from the cup. Do you want to add to my argument or even challenge it? Want to get in touch on the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech. Dear listeners, we're back after the news. So now I'm going to talk to you about my personal and professional experience of teaching languages. So my first impression and my first advice for any other MFL teachers or teacher-to-be is that you need to know your class if you want to try and improve the way we teach languages. You need to know exactly how your students are going to react. And if it's a very difficult class as far as behavior is concerned, I would not advise some of the tips I'm going to give you. Because when behavior doesn't work, whatever type of lesson, you're going to struggle. So sadly, there is um, um, a trend. The, the, the more difficult the behavior is, the less creative you can be. But none is not all is lost. So tips for the classroom. How to add creativity in teaching modern languages. 
So first, you need to be able to use all the cultural knowledge you have. So if you're a native speaker, it's easy. You just need to talk about what you watched when you were a kid on TV, um, all about the music, the arts, the fashion. And I mean, if you teach French, it's quite easy to do. Um, the fashion, authentic materials, songs, film extracts, animes, arts, artists, sculptors, painters, um, we are spoiled for choice. And um, this can easily fit in your lesson planning. So if you're a bit scared of going out of uh, the norm, and if you want to stay in what the um, exam is telling you to follow, which is identity and culture, topics are my family, friends, technology in everyday life, free time activities, you can get a little bit more freedom once you reach the fourth topic, which is customs and festivals in French speaking countries, local, national, international and global areas of interest. So that's vague enough to let you add as much authentic resources as you want. And as far as social issues and global issues, travel and tourism, you can really make your students travel. So if you're a bit scared of adding creativity, just make sure you embed everything you add into these themes and topics that are necessary for exams. And then you'll be secure and you won't be criticized for not following the prescribed topics. So if you just do exam prep as a teacher and as a person, I find it, it can turn into something very sterile teaching that can be impersonal and superficial. You need to make it more exciting because we need to train our students to do picture description or role play practice for the speaking part of the exam, but it's so repetitive and drilling and it doesn't add anything. And I would argue that it doesn't actually teach you to speak to a native speaker, but this is what we have to do in the end in year 11. The only way you can make lessons more interactive and fun and promote language learning is by trying to drill these as an aside and add more creativity. Otherwise you end up with the trope and um, anyone who's had to mark speaking exams the last month will tell you that the most common sentence that all teenagers tell us when they do their year 11 exams is je vais jouer au football avec mes copains au parc, which translates as I'm going to play football with my friends at the park. So this is the tedious and meaningless repetition of the same sentences they've learned since year seven. It's soulless and it really kills the joy of teaching and learning. So if you have a class where the students are enthusiastic and open-minded, lucky you, <laughs> but if you're lucky to have such a class, and I had one last this year, you can go really far in your creative lesson planning. I mentioned in my podcast number eight on the 6th of May, 2022, the work I've done on the Huguenots. So this is the best example if you want to really build a lesson planning over a term that ends up that's crowned with a day trip. So that was really the highlight of um, our lesson planning this year, the Huguenot project. There's the podcast. Please check it out online on teacherstalkradio.org. Now there's another project I did before with my year 11, and this is 
part of my elastic band method. So I'm going to explain what I mean by elastic band. I've been trying to improve the curriculum, to make it more varied, more diverse, and also to decolonize it. And the way I did it is by formulating the elastic band method. I'm going to offer all the cultural, historical, grammatical knowledge my students need for their exams, but I want to extend it. I want to stretch their knowledge and their abilities. And this is why the elastic band analogy is useful. I don't just want them to know about Victor Hugo, the most famous 19th century French writer who gave us the story of the hunchback of Notre Dame or the miserables, the comedy, the musical that's in the West End. I don't just want them to know this. I also want them to know all about 19th century France and the poverty in fr French towns. And I also want them to know that this poverty is still there in the banlieue. And I want them to know about immigration. And the best I can find is to show them extracts from Les Miserables, the, the play or the comedy or the book. And then I extend and stretch all the way to Les Miserables, the movie directed by Lajli of Malian origin and a French film director who released his movie in 2019 that deals with police brutality, uh, childhood poverty. And this whole lesson plan I made was trying to strengthen and stretch my students' knowledge about these very cultural, authentic and historical issues. This was completely part of GCSE practice revision but it also gave them more knowledge about French culture and they really enjoyed it. They enjoyed the movie, which is available on Netflix. Um, also, inspirational characters. And my advice is if you're lucky to have your own classroom, decorate it, make it like it's an extension of your office and of your home. Make it look nice and comfy. Bring books that you like, obviously, following the subject topic you're teaching. So my classroom has a whole display on Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker was the first international black African-American pop star in the 1920s of the previous century. And uh, I love music, I love acting, I also love history. She spoke fluent French, she was mixed race, Great, she's fabulous, she fits in, she's on my display. The next person I'm gonna do a display on is the not famous Solitude who deserves to become famous and I'm gonna work on it. Uh, she was a slave who was heading a rebellion against the French army. Um, you have lots of very interesting female characters in French history. Uh, Dido Bell, who lived in Hampstead, is also an amazing character. There's a movie about her and you can take your students on a day trip to Hampstead Kenwood House. So there's a lot of things we can do to make the students interested in people who were real and authentic. Teaching method to increase speaking is also one of the cornerstone of teaching in foreign languages. So what I mean by TL is target language. It's the language I want to teach. So it means that if I teach French or if I teach Spanish, I'm going to try and use as much French and Spanish in any of my lesson. Obviously, it's a bit of a shock at first, but I always support my students' discovery of a language by using visual. For instance, every time I talk about eating, I'm going to put a picture of someone eating on my slide. 
every time I talk about um, the days of the week, I'm going to put the days of the week written on my slides. So they're not lost and they can follow just by me using sign language and visuals aids. Now, if you're interested in this, there's a great school, the Sheem School, C-H-E-A-M, in Sutton, in South London, that is following this method of target language only. I really sincerely advise you to book a visit to that school. It's mesmerizing what they do. Everything is said in French, except minute linguistic issues that need to be explained in English. But most of the lesson is done. I would say 89% of the lesson is done in French. It's very repetitive. It's drilled, but it's it can be considered a bit samey, but it makes the students speak more. And that's beautiful to see. So Sheem School with that wonderful method that is also advised to use by Goldsmiths University where I've been trained. Now, obviously I talked about authentic materials, posters, authentic individual, individual lives such as Josephine Baker, relevant people that can appeal to students. Now, I have a few met methods and tips I use in my lessons to force my children into speaking because there's nothing sadder than teaching a language and realizing after an hour that maybe four students said something in the language. The ones who are usually exuberant, quite confident, want to show off a bit, or the ones who are just very chatty. What about the other 25 students who are shy, reserved, and don't like talking in front of others? How can I help them try to speak more? So obviously you're gonna say, well, they can talk in pairs, and that, that sounds great, but in practice, every time I do it, my students end up talking in English, and forget about the task that's supposed to be done in the language we're learning. So I've devised la chenille method. So la chenille is a caterpillar and it's also a theme park ride in France. So la chenille allows all the people in the classroom to speak in a limited time. So it's basically a speed game. I ask a question to one student, the student answers and then asks the same question to another person who answers and vice versa all the way until everybody's spoken. Now, it sounds like something very easy to put in place, but it needs to be rehearsed. You wouldn't understand how difficult it is to make 25 people repeat the same question and give an answer. There's always one who doesn't know what we're doing. So we have to drill it and drill it. Now, my best score to make 30 students speak French, ask a question and answer it, was 50 seconds, 54 seconds, my apologies, for a year 11 class of a high set. Now, my worst score with, was with a year eight class and they were all over the place, distracted, chatty. And I think we did eight minutes for the same kind of task. But there's a big broad range between the disaster eight minutes and the ultimate 54 seconds. And the more you practice, the better. So this was the chenille activity. Now, another thing I really enjoy doing, and it's using pop songs because I'm a musician and I love a bit of music. So the, it's a simple thing. If you can barely sing, it's okay. The, the children are actually very understanding. So you just take a very famous pop tune 
any pop tune that's easy to memorize. And then you write your own lyrics. So I'll give you an example. I asked my students to learn a structure in French, which is il faut plus infinitive, which translates as it is necessary to. So all the classroom rules were as such. It is necessary to uh, bring your book. It is necessary to have your pen. It's necessary to write the date to learn to speak French. It's necessary to ask questions, etc., and etc. We wrote the lyrics on the theme tune of the Adams Family, the 1960s series in black and white. And then we practiced in the class. But as we have access to wonderful technologies nowadays, I asked my students to practice at home and record themselves at home using Vocaroo on the internet. Why did I ask them to do that at home? Because I want my students who are shy to have a chance to sing or speak in French when at home and they are not scared of how other people are going to react. And everybody did their homework. I didn't play the results to other students, I just kept it. So now I'm going to share it with you. So tell me what you think about my lovely students singing the classroom rules on the theme tune of the Adams Family. Wasn't it lovely? So it was the lovely Jessica singing the classroom rules in French on the Adams Family theme tune. So easy peasy, you just need an easy song and then you write the lyrics and you drill the structure you want them to learn. Now, I've made another one and I will play it. It's on um, the, the Despacito theme tune. So it's quite older, uh, obviously. I, I made it a few years back, but I recorded it at home. And um, let me know what you think. It's about the same structure. It is necessary to plus verb in the infinitive. Bring 
Right, so you see, it's easy. You just take the instrumental version from YouTube and you write your lyrics using the structures you want the students to learn. So for Necesito, instead of Despacito. And every time my students ask me for something, such as glue, green pen, red pen, or a new book, I remind them how to ask me for something using the song. So I would be like, Necesito. And then, bang, the memory is formed and it's perfect to memorize because nursery songs and rhymes are things we use with younger children in nurseries, but it does work for memorizing structures. Another thing you can do if you want to enrich your language teaching is using poetry. And it works even with the most rebellious teenagers. So there is three poems I've used this year. Déjeuner du matin by Jacques Prévert, Cher Frère Blanc by Léopold Sédar Senghor, and Liberté by Paul Éluard. So these are all very, very famous French poets. Um, Léopold Sédar Senghor was also Senegalese. He was the president of Senegal. Um, but these poems are really beautiful because they are simple. They have structures that we need to teach and drill to the students, and also they have powerful meaning. So I'm going to share um, Déjeuner du Matin with you. There is an amazing video you can use on YouTube. It's a film by Emmanuel Tenenbaum, released in 2013. He won uh, the jury prize Yafka in 2013 for that short movie. It's a movie without words, about the Déjeuner du Matin poem. So you can use it in your lesson. You can ask the students to do a running commentary of the poem or of the video, explaining what the people are doing in the video in French, for instance, or you could use any other language you want. And then you can also make them describe what they see. So I'm going to read this poem because I asked, I did a, a poll on, on Twitter and asked what other MFL teachers wanted me to read today to share a bit of poetry. And they voted for Déjeuner du Matin. So let's hear Déjeuner du Matin. Il a mis le café dans la tasse. Il a mis le lait dans la tasse de café. Il a mis le sucre dans le café au lait. Avec la petite cuillère, il a tourné. Il a bu le café au lait et il a reposé la tasse sans me parler. Il a allumé une cigarette, il a fait des ronds avec la fumée. Il a mis les cendres dans le cendrier sans me parler, sans me regarder. Il s'est levé, il a mis son chapeau sur sa tête. Il a mis son manteau de pluie parce qu'il pleuvait et il est parti. Sous la pluie, sans une parole, sans me regarder. Et moi, j'ai pris ma tête dans ma main et j'ai pleuré. So this poem is very easy for year 9, year 10 and year 11 classes. And the beauty of it is that it uses normal breakfast vocabulary, such as coffee, sugar, milk, spoon, hat, jacket um, and also it uses the past tense which is a very difficult tense to conjugate in French and the students struggle with it. So it has everything you need as an authentic source. You need something easy, 
you need something that is actually authentic and that's also poetic. So I'm going to read the translation just so that people who don't speak French don't feel lost. Breakfast. He poured the coffee into the cup. He put the milk into the cup of coffee. He put the sugar into the coffee with milk. With a small spoon he churned. He drank the coffee and he put down the cup. Without any word. He lit a cigarette. He made circles with the smoke. He shook off the ash into the ashtray. Without any word spoken. Without looking at me. He got up. He put on his hat on his head. He put on his raincoat because it was raining. And he left into the rain without speaking to me, without looking at me. And I buried my face in my hands and I cried. So that's a beautiful poem, a classic. Most French kids have learned it at primary school. And it's great for your um, MFL students because they can access a language easily and it makes them practice that conjugating, which is eventually what you want them to master. So this was an example of what we can do, how you can insert authentic materials in your lesson planning and how you can enrich the culture and the historical knowledge of your students. But now there's also tips outside the classroom in your school. I offer every year a cinema club. So it sounds like much, but it's actually very easy there's lots of um, films available on YouTube's classic of French cinema or French animes such as Asterix et le Gaulois. You just put it on, but my only rule is you have to listen to the French audio and you have to put the French subtitles. There is no English allowed in my cinema club. So obviously you're going to have people complaining and students saying, no, it's too hard. I don't understand anything. So my advice is stick to it and tell them that their only task is to give it a go and maybe pay attention to two words. So for the first term, you're going to tell them, can you find out two words that you recognize in that movie? And usually it's easy and they say, oh yeah, I heard bonjour or I heard merci or I heard voila, and then you tell them, well done, can you identify more words? And after a whole year, you'd be surprised. And again, some of the students who suffer from very hard behavior issues, attention deficit, or um, they're very agitated, they're the ones who come out of the cinema club repeating full sentences. I remember showing a Il était une fois la vie episode to some year eight students who are very scattered and there was one girl who kept repeating what she heard in the in the in the episode and she was saying je reviens je reviens and it was lovely because she heard it and she just instantly remembered it so that's definitely something you can put in place after school or at lunchtime i know of a school where they offer lunchtime clubs and the students are allowed to come and eat in the classroom if they're tidy after and they watch a movie at the same time. Now that's very popular because some students want to eat in the quiet and having a dark room where they can watch a movie and chill and eat at the same time is actually a very positive for them. So as a whole, if you really want to nurture languages, 
you need to organize extra things. It's not enough to have great lessons with lots of authentic materials. You need to organize day trips. I mentioned the Huguenot day trip tour I did in Spitalfields. I know lots of areas in the UK have Huguenot ancestors who live there. So you might find randomly a place that has a potential as far as French or Spanish speaking is. But you also need to create a network. You can ask some people who speak the language to come as long as they are DBS uh, checked and they can come and read their favorite uh, storybook from their childhood. It's a simple thing, but it shows to the students that languages are important, they have value and they make a cohesion in the community. So create a network, broaden the mind. The Huguenots aren't a normal topical um, interest of 15 year old students in London. And yet they really found it interesting. So please don't think you need to level down. If your students are open-minded or just enthusiastic, push them up, give them high aspirations. Do not hesitate to broach difficult subjects about colonization or history or um, religious civil war. They will love the stories. Now, we teach French to communicate. We don't teach French to make them excel at multiple questions and exam papers. So please remind them that it is to talk to other people. This is when you can use drama in your lessons. I mentioned Le Déjeuner du Matin poem. Well, once we studied it and we heard it and we watched a video, I, I asked my students to reenact the Déjeuner du Matin poem. So I gave them a fake um, bottle of milk and a, an empty pot of sugar, and I gave them a jug that had the word café on it. And they had to act the gestures as someone else was reading it. So they were speaking and acting together. And obviously I filmed them and they were giggling and some took it extremely seriously. Others were just doing the actions too fast and not listening to the person reading them out. But you know what? It was fun and we did a bit of acting. So communicating. It's French, but yet we can act with it. And the culture. Well, I did mention that my students all know Josephine Baker. And um, whenever I my room is used by someone else for another subject or another topic, I always see students who point at the display of Josephine Baker and say, oh, look, oh, I know this lady. Oh, she, she was a singer. I, I heard about her in that uh, Rebellious Girls book. And this raises their interest. And obviously she was African-American, but she did speak fluent French, French. So she has her place in my classroom. So remember, MFL teachers, we need to create a strong network and include the community. We need to broaden the minds of our students and have high aspirations for them. We need to expose them to history and culture. And we need to encourage communication and speaking. We can't just teach for exams because that's soulless. Now, if you need a bit of help, I'm available on Twitter at ProfProfMFL. There's a lot of uh, other groups on Facebook or MFL Twitterati on Twitter that give you lots of resources. I have my podcast on the Huguenots that you can check on the 
teacherstalkradio.org website. There is also, if you teach German, the Goethe Institute worldwide. If you teach Spanish, the Cervantes Institute. And if you're lucky enough to come to London, there's the Institut Francais in South Kensington. You can also ask for help and for resources from for resources from them. So I hope that was useful, enlightening, or just entertaining on a Sunday late afternoon. I hope this has equipped you, if you're an MFL teacher, with a desire to push your students and to broaden their minds and to try something different. And in the meantime, I wish you a lovely week and I'm going to leave you with another round of news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk if you're listening to this then we know we share one thing in common a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves that's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care we need people like you to help us achieve even more with us you'll be given all the resources and support you need offered a clear path to career progression and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. than 85% of spots back a ban on smoking outside schools in a bid to protect children's health, the survey has found. The Glasgow Times reports on the results of a survey by charity Asthma and Love UK. 
The Scotland survey asked 1,000 adults in Scotland with almost 9 in 10 wanting smoking prohibited outside of the school gates. The charity is pressing the Scottish Government to follow the example set by Wales in March 2021 to forbid smoking around playgrounds, schools and other locations used for children. A Scottish Government spokesman said they would consider proposals and agreed with findings that second-hand smoke was more dangerous to children. A number of MSPs have come out in favour of a ban on smoking near places used by children. Noise pollution near schools could be helpful to people's concentration and working memory, according to new research. A study completed in Barcelona over 15 months between 2012 and 2013 appears to conclude that exposure to road noise at school was associated with slower development of working memory and attentiveness in pupils. The Evening Standard reports on the findings and suggests that environmental noise policies be put in place to protect schools from noise pollution. Professor Trevor Cox of the Science and Media Centre said that the fact that road traffic noise harms health and well-being is not talked about often enough. In Northern Ireland, people from Brooklyn Primary School received some royal messages as part of the celebration for the Jubilee. Dame Judy Dent appears on a video posted on the school website, whilst Sir David Jason sent a letter which was read out on the same video. In Dubai, Gems Education has launched a new scholarship programme in celebration of Queen Elizabeth II's Platinum Jubilee. A total of 70 scholarships will be awarded to each covering the full cost of a year's tuition fee to students across 43 GEMS schools. Gems Education is the UAE's oldest and largest school operator. New post Brexit visa scheme launched this week to the best graduates from the top 50 non-British universities like to live in the UK, has been criticised for not including those from African or Caribbean countries. The most recent list of eligible universities is from 2021. The ranking system used to define which is a top university includes the number of alumni who are Nobel laureates. Critics say this ignores the qualities and skills of graduates from nations within Africa. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about spreadsheet modelling. Spreadsheets are marmite. You either love them or you hate them. This week, I hope to help you see a reason to include them in your next lesson or even to spice up a form time. What is technology? It's anything that helps us in life. For example, scissors, cutlery, even a paper straw. Let's take a look at the good old paper straw. Build as an environmental hero. It's time for the spreadsheet to model some facts about paper straws. Before I begin, I totally get the paper straws are better for the environment than plastic. This episode's about looking deeper into topics at pace, using the all-powerful spreadsheet to provide high-speed and sometimes complex calculations. With a trusty search engine by my side, here I go into what is the true cost of a paper straw. Okay, the first answer to produce a paper straw costs a penny. Now how about how many paper straws are used in a year? The US use 5 million per day. Europe, a mere 7 million per day. How many trees is that? Right, a typical straw weighs 1.1 grams. So times 7 million is 7,700,000 grams divided by 1,000 is 7,700 kilograms divided by 1,000 again is 7.7 tons. Back to the search engine, it takes 24 trees to make one ton of paper. So, 185 trees rounded to the nearest tree. It takes eight trees to provide enough oxygen for one person for a year. So each day we kill enough trees to keep 23 people alive for a year for the sake of a paper straw. Let's take a quick step 
back. 185 trees per day times 365 days is 67,452 trees per year. That can keep 8,431 people alive. In a densely packed forest, that's around one kilometre square of trees. It takes, on average, 15 years for a tree to grow to be used for paper. People of Europe are spending 27,830,000 per year on paper straws. That's £76,246 a day. If you listen to this on Friday, since Monday, 925 trees have been used for a one-use purpose. Now, with the power of the mighty spreadsheet and a few questions, I'll be leaving that straw behind and drinking from the cup. Do you want to add to my argument or even challenge it? Want to get in touch on the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So, dear listeners, this was the... um show with Maud as a hostess and uh, we talked about how to make language lessons a little bit more creative and fun for our students in order to fight the language deficit that is currently um, increasing in the UK. So I'm hoping by this new selection of tips such as uh, writing your own tunes with uh, structures you need to drill for your students using target language as much as possible including authentic materials such as um, music videos songs poetry arts um, promoting important individuals in french history such as josephine baker or solitude or Omar Sy, the actor, I'm hoping that all this is going to pave the way to have more students who are willing to take French for A-levels. And I know I'm on the right path because I have students who came to see me this year and said, oh, miss, we'd like to do French for A-levels. Sadly, there is no offer of A-level French in my current school because we can only afford to of uh, core subjects, which are maths and science and English. But I'm hoping that if I inspire more students next year, that we will maybe get more budget and open an A-level for French and Spanish. So on that note of hope and optimism, I wish you a lovely week. I won't be there next Sunday to uh, talk with you, dear listeners, but I will be back in two weeks. Until then, have a lovely time. Thank you. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.